Rivers Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. And uh, you guys must have realized Hallie was on backup and... Uh, I just love it when our backup is better than your best pianist, so. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, Joe had uh, surgery on his ear, so he was unable to be here, and I just thought it was great. I'm happy that he doesn't play by ear. Doesn't get any better than that this morning, folks. It's good to be up here as we continue our series in Galatians with the tagline, freedom from sin is found in Jesus. That is freedom from sin and the effects of sin, which is death. And that freedom is only found in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we love you and we praise you because you are the giver of all good things. Lord, we just praise you for uh, this opportunity where we could come and sing praises and, and songs to you, Lord, and that we can now worship you by your word. So we just pray that your truth goes forward this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is a picture taken out of South Africa. It's common uh, for mines that are abandoned to be taken over by illegal workers. This mine happened to collapse. So there were about 200 illegal miners trapped in a gold mine. Apparently, the mine collapsed and trapped them hundreds of feet underground. When the authorities arrived to dig them out, the majority were too scared to come to the surface because they were afraid of being arrested. Only, get this, only 11 out of the 200 came to the surface. As nightfall came, there was a single ladder placed in the only opening of the, in the, only, opening of the only shaft remaining in case someone changed their mind. There were actually no reports of how many others decided to make that decision to come out. Can you imagine that? That you're more afraid of being arrested than bury, being buried hundreds of feet underground? I'm like, put me in a jail cell right now. I do not want to be down there. But they were literally refusing to be rescued and had no hope of escaping because of the condition of the rest of the mine. Yet all they had to do was find that soul path to that soul ladder where salvation awaited. You see, in the book of Galatians, as we're going through this series, the Apostle Paul has constantly reiterated that salvation is by God's grace and not by our works. So I hope you all are getting this because Paul's coming at it from a different direction even today in today's sermon. See, just like these miners, many people are afraid to go to the only source that can actually save them, the only source that can offer free salvation. And it makes you wonder why. Maybe they don't like authorities, or maybe it's a pride thing. No one's going to tell me what to do. Or maybe they don't really truly understand that God does have his best waiting for those who would place their trust and faith in him. So when we see a story like this, we can't believe why wouldn't they just go to the soul ladder so that they may live. Instead, they resist salvation and the grace 
that the authorities were extending to them in their greatest time of need. Paul is vigorously trying to point out in the book of Galatians that many in the church are doing the same thing. They are trying to save themselves, and in turn, they're actually resisting salvation by his grace. And that's exactly why the title of today's sermon is Resisting Grace. I mean, it sounds crazy, but Paul's going to explain to us this morning what exactly that means. Paul's pointing that there are only two ways to view salvation. It's either through the law, by following the rules, or putting your faith in what the work God has already done for us. Last week, Pastor Matt taught us that God's promise of eternal salvation has been secured by his grace. God has already secured our salvation by his grace. So Paul speaks today of the importance of the fact that we must choose grace. Let's get into our text this morning. We'll be in the uh, book of Galatians, chapter 5, starting uh, 2 through 6. Follow along as I read or read on your tablet, Bible, whatever you got going on there. Starting off in verse 2. Paul says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. If we were to take these five verses and we were boiling them down into one main idea this morning, it would look just like this. God offers mankind two choices. Condemnation by the law or grace in love. We as human beings only have two choices. We're either going to be condemned by the law or we are going to find his grace by his love. Paul's not mixing words anymore. He's pleading with the Galatians and especially the Judaizers that's spreading this this false gospel. Stop. Stop and see the truth. When someone's contemplating these two ideas, they're actually at a fork in the road. There's a fork in the road. And only one of these ways leads to salvation. Let's break these verses down to see why that statement is true. Going back to verses 2 and 3. Paul gives a warning to those that choose law over grace. He says, look, like you can almost hear the frustration. He's like, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. So what he's saying in verse 2, if you accept circumcision, which was just a religious ritual that identified you as a Jew, that you're one of God's people, if you accept that as a way of salvation, then Jesus cannot give you his grace in faith. 
for salvation. If you're thinking that this this ritual, this religious ritual is what saves you, then you're not allowing Jesus to give you his grace for salvation. What he's saying is that this gift will be of no advantage to you. Why? Because what he says in verse 3. Because if you believe in a ritual to save you or a part of the law to save you, then you are now obligated to keep the whole law. You obligate yourself to, to keep the entire law. When you accept and believe that a religious, religious ritual can save you, now you're obligating yourself to the rest of the law. You must keep it if that's what saves you. Church, can we keep the whole law? Not even close. Why? Because we are lawbreakers. So what happens when we break even one of God's laws that we are obligating ourselves to keep? Because nobody's perfect, right? Well, let's say this. Say you're arrested for robbing a bank, and you were caught red-handed, okay? And now you're before the judge. If you're following these Judaizers' logic that the law can save you, then your defense is going to sound something like this. Yes, judge, I did it. I robbed that bank, I held the gun on the teller until she gave me the money, and then I ran out into the street, and the cops were already waiting for me and arrested me. I did that. But you know what? Usually I'm a pretty good guy. I do a lot of really good things. I mean, the other day I helped an old lady across the street, I gave money to a homeless guy. You know, I, I am really, really, really a good guy. What do you think the judge is going to say to you? Probably, hey, you know, I'm so glad that normally you're a good person, but what in the world does that have to do with you robbing the bank? They're two different things. If he were a good judge, he would have to punish you in some way, shape, or form for robbing the bank. He's not there to judge you on your whole breadth of life of works. He's there to enforce the law and make a judgment just truly on the laws that you broke. Makes sense, right? It makes sense, right? right. All right, you're with me. <laughs> so in the same way, as we come before the God of the universe at some point, and we try to get into heaven on our own merits, you're going to sound something like this. Yes, God, I know I, I, I broke some of your laws and I sinned, but usually I'm a pretty good guy. God is not there to judge you on the works of your life. He's there to enforce. If he's a good judge, and I know he is, he must punish you for the laws that you broke. This is what Paul's trying to get across. That punishment is hell separated from him forever. It's a pretty steep fine. That brings us to our first point. If you choose to be measured by the law, you will be condemned by it. There is no way around that. If you choose to be measured by the law as far as your own righteousness, you will be condemned by it. This is why Paul's spending so much time drawing these contrasts between faith and, and, and works, because when it comes to salvation, only one of those can save you. 
So we know that there's only two choices, that there's eternal life and that there's eternal death, which, which is hell. Look what Paul says in verse 4. He says, you are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace, severed from Christ. How terrible is that? You've fallen away from grace. So what he's saying is you can't have it both ways. You're either saved by grace through faith in Jesus. That means you accepted him to be your savior, that he went and he paid the debt for the laws you broke. Or you have to stand before the judge and give him some lame excuse how you just robbed the bank one time. He said people like that have fallen away from grace. Now, some people might look at that and go, I wonder if he means that you can lose your salvation. Well, we know that here at Villa's Grace, we compare Scripture against Scripture, and we know there is once you are truly saved, you are saved forever. Amen? So that's not what he's saying there. Another way you could read that is that you've turned away from grace. You've, 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 it's in front of you, it's yours for the taking, but you've turned away from that one thing that can actually save you. What he's saying in a nutshell, if you believe that the law can save you, you're probably not saved, is basically what he's getting to there. That brings us to our second point. When you resist God's grace, you are cut off from the only thing that can save you. When you resist God's grace, now what does that look like? When we say yes to the law and our works to save us, we are in the same breath saying no to God's grace. No thanks, God. I know Jesus died for me on the cross. I know they ripped his beard out and they spit in his face and they placed that crown of thorns on his head and they, they pulled that whip back and split his back open, and then they nailed him to the cross to where he bled out. But you know what? That wasn't enough. That just wasn't enough to, to pay for my sins. His blood wasn't enough. I'll tell you right now, church, it was more than enough. It reminds us of our main idea. God offers mankind two choices, condemnation by the law or grace and love. There's only two choices. Paul is not letting anyone wiggle out today. He's nailing them down, putting them before that fork in the road, and he's saying, you better choose. Condemnation by the law or God's grace in love. And he's saying, don't be like those trapped miners who they're re refusing to be rescued. Why would they refuse to be rescued? Why? Because they didn't see the big picture. They thought they could deal with their own situation, and they thought that they could save themselves. Basically, most of them, what they probably did was sentence themselves to death because they just didn't receive that free gift of salvation. Paul says we should know especially as Christians, we should know better than to allow these kind of things to be preached in our churches and talked about in, in when people are discussing the gospel. We should know better. 
Look at verses 5 and 6. Paul says this, For through the Spirit, by what? That's right. We ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith, working through love. As Christians, we know that our only hope of salvation is in the good works of our Savior. That's it. That's our only hope. Why? Because we could never live the perfect life. We could never die on a cross for, for everyone's sin. We're, we're not going to rise again, defeating sin and death the way that he did it. But he could and he did. And church, all he's saying is that if we place our faith in him and his works, we will gain his righteousness. Like it says at the end of there in verse 5. What does that mean, we gain his righteousness? That means we gain his not guilty. We gain his not guilty because our debt was paid by him. That is our only hope, and we are eagerly awaiting the end of that when we're one day in heaven with him. He also says as Christians, we know it's about God's perfect works, but it's also about God's perfect love. Because God is a just judge, but he is a God of love. Amen? Amen. It says there, but only faith working through love. You can read that in this way, but only our faith working through God's love. Our faith working through God's love. You might have remembered this one verse that you know, is kind of common, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Think about that love. God loved the world so that he sent his son to the cross to pay for our debts. And that when we believe in him, or we put our faith in him, we shall not perish in hell, but we should have eternal life in heaven. It's exactly what Paul is describing today. Church, love is a choice, and Jesus chose to lay down his life for us. He consciously made that choice to come down from heaven, make himself flesh, live the perfect life, but to eventually die in our place. Why did he do that? Because we couldn't. The only way we're saved is by his perfect work and by his perfect love, period. That brings us to our third point. As Christians, we know our only hope is found in the work and the love of Jesus. That's it. That's our only hope. It's the only hope that we have. And also, you know, being a Christian doesn't mean that I'm perfect. It just means that I'm placing my faith in the one who is, right? Church, we have to inscribe these truths on our hearts. Why? Because we need to remember them and we need to preach them to ourselves every day. It's funny because it's exactly what we discussed in our prayer group this morning. We were going through the armor of God. And I just, I love when God lines things up like that. Um, it, it's so cool to me. 
because I had this written weeks ago. We have to preach these things, these truths to ourselves every single day, sometimes multiple times a day, amen? Think about that as we remember these points. The first point, if you choose to be measured by the law, you will be condemned by it. If you choose to measure yourself by the law, you will be condemned by it. Now, as Christians, it was, we're living our lives. It's hard not to you know, measure ourselves by the law. And that's okay if you're measuring your Christian walk or your Christian life by God's word. That's a healthy thing. We should look into scripture and we should remember the things that we know to be true about God and ask ourselves this very important question. Are you living a life that glorifies God? We should be doing those things as Christians. But it is not okay to teach people that they have to be perfect in order for God to save them. Do you see the difference there? We have to stop trying to teach people that you must be perfect in order to have a relationship with God because that is anti-gospel. We have to avoid this. Why? Because of point number two. When you resist God's grace, you are cut off from the only thing that can save you. When you resist God's grace, you are essentially cutting yourself off from the only thing that, that, that can save you. Church, do you want to teach people to resist God's grace? No, me either. Amen. You guys are on fire this morning. Well, then let me just interject this. Then we have to stop judging those who are non-believers. Do you know that's not our job? It's not our job to judge people that are non-believers. There was this guy, and he might still do it, but I haven't heard about him in a couple years. They called him Bullhorn Guy. And he would stand on the campus at FGCU, and as people walked by, and he thought of himself as some modern-day Jeremiah, and he's going to bring down hellfire and brimstone on everyone that walks by. And he would just start screaming at these people, like, look at you, you're all sinners. And if a, a girl walked by in a skimpy outfit, he would say, look at her, she's dressed like a prostitute. And, and he was just a vile guy, you know, like just screaming at people. But I'll tell you this, church, he thought he was doing a good thing. Because if you think about that, was it in totality a bad thing? It was good in the sense that it, it is actually true. Sin brings God's judgment and punishment. That's true. Now, he didn't know if someone was walking by, had a relationship with Jesus, or, or what their life was about. So you, you can't judge everybody as they walk by and, and make these judgments, because like I said, it is not our job to judge people. But it was bad in the sense that he left out the most wonderful part of the message, the best part, that God's grace and his mercy can save anyone. Amen. Plus, why would you want to spend your time barking at a bunch of unsaved people doing unsaved things? It doesn't even make sense. 
as I'm closing and I call Mike up, I just want to spend a, a little moment on this, our final point, our third point. As Christians, we should know our only hope is found in the work and love of Jesus. We should know better. That is our message. That is our message to every single person that we meet. Our hope and our of any righteousness, our hope of pleasing God at all is by placing our faith in the work and the love of Jesus. Now, I don't mind one bit when someone speaks about God's judgment and wrath because one day, like Mike said this morning, and again, I had this written weeks ago, God is going to come and he's going to pour out his wrath. He left as the sacrificial lamb, but one day he is coming back as the lion. And it is going to be a terrible thing for those that are not ready. But when we preach a message like that, we better be sure to explain to people that his grace and his mercy and his love are a free gift. Church, if we only speak about the love of God, how will people know they're in danger? If our message to everyone is just, hey, God loves you, how will they know they are in danger? But if we only speak of wrath, how will they know the only way out? How will they find that soul ladder and that soul mind shaft that was left for a way to escape death? It reminds us of our main idea. Church, today I hope I'm bringing you to this fork in the road, as Paul, I believe, did in, in these verses today. God offers us two choices, and that is to be condemned by the law or receive God's grace and love. So maybe you're at that fork in the road in your life in some capacity. Maybe it's not for salvation, or maybe it's because you're battling some sort of sin in your life, and you have to remember this. I can't use the law to free me. It's never going to work. But I can use God's grace and God's love. Let's pray. Lord, praise you for having a plan to save us. Especially when, just like those workers in that illegal gold mine, we are lawbreakers. Lord, we do deserve whatever we get. But your grace says something different. It says that where your wrath is deserved, your love awaits for those that would put their faith and trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.